Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Shwinipu, and this is episode 165, I believe. Uh, I'm joined today by my co-host, Prez. That's at Presidente on Twitter. Prez, what's going on? Not much. You know, I'm just enjoying college basketball and draft season, preparing for uh, preparing for the ping pong balls to fall where they may you know as the knicks power wanes my power increases so this is my time to shine you welcome your, everybody your importance increases uh exactly. as the knicks as the knicks decide that they have to play a bunch of fucking dick bags uh for 30 minutes a night because tib is a piece of shit um <laughs> but before we get into all of that i would like to introduce our guest he his name is Juan Carlos JC, uh, but you can follow him on Twitter at Kelly O'Burner. Uh, it's optimistic Heat fan. He is a Heat fan. Juan Carlos, what's going on? How are you? Hey Prez, hey Schwinn. Um, I have to say, although I'm a Heat fan, I'm I'm a big fan of uh, Pod Strickland. Um, I listen to your two hour post game pods um, habitually. I I find them cathartic <laughs> in some ways. Um. Also good white noise while I'm working. Um, love to <laughs> love all the trade ideas. Um, but uh, yeah, um, I'm here to talk heat, love heat. Um, I also watch just a lot of NBA in general. I feel like we, we, we have a lot of animosity towards the same teams, uh, namely <clears throat> Nets. Um, so, you know, maybe we could talk about that. Hopefully the conversation drifts in that direction. I think they're down... T- to the nuggets right now but um yeah no just glad to be on the pod glad to talk Knicks basketball heat basketball basketball in general life who knows where the conversation will go um i have an idea of where the conversation is gonna go okay. but before we get into the conversation uh i do need to make a couple of announcements uh the strickland does have a patreon that you su- you can subscribe to and i would recommend that you subscribe to it uh there's many tiers the basic tier, $6 tier, I would recommend you subscribe to. That comes with access to Pod Strickland every Friday. This pod right here that you're listening to, uh, full access to that. You also get access to our, my mailbag that I do every other week with Jeremy and Drew. Additionally, you get access to the Strickland Discord where you can talk with many other Knicks fans about how Tom Thibodeau is a fucking asshole, uh, <laughs> among many other subjects. <laughs> Uh, there are other tiers. There's also a $9 tier, uh, which if you want to listen to me yell more than I already do, uh, that gets you access to Strick and Roll, uh, my solo podcast. But more importantly, it gets you access to weekly articles from Jack Huntley and Matthew Miranda, where they much more intelligently discuss the Knicks and analyze what the fuck is going on with this team. Uh, there are also tiers beyond that. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, $100 tier. All those come with additional benefits like like uh, discounts on merchandise, uh, the ability to listen in and watch us record a pod and even host a pod one day with us. Uh, but 
before but whether you subscribe or not uh we want to thank you for your support none of this would be possible without you uh all right now that we have all of the capitalist evil money grubbing shit out of the way subscribe uh, to the charlie ward tier yes that's that's, exactly. that's the god tier of pod strickland <laughs> uh let's let's talk about this game which was pretty much a microcosm. It was like any of the 48 games that preceded it. Basically like most of them. Um, the starters came out lethargic, slow, unathletic, uncompetitive, uninterested, and they got their fucking shit kicked in from the start. They got their teeth kicked in. They Whatever analogy you want to use that indicates that they one, one's ass was kicked... That is exactly what happened in the next to start this game. Uh, aside from RJ Barrett, it was a pretty listless performance from the starters. Um, they fell behind 12 within, I think, about six minutes, seven seconds. And that is when the first substitution was made, when Kemba Walker came out. Uh, then they fell behind by 14 uh, to end the quarter. The game was basically extended garbage time after that because um, the Knicks made one run. Uh, fueled by a bench-heavy lineup and R.J. Barrett and Mitchell Robinson, uh, which actually forced the Miami Heat to take a timeout. And out of that timeout, Tom Thibodeau came back with Julius Randle and Kemba Walker, and that was it. That was the game. It really is as simple as that. Um, I don't know what to say about it anymore. Um, It's beyond ridiculous. It's stupid. It's pointless to watch this team when you are coaching in a way that always puts you at a deficit to start each half. And the bench has to come in and save you every fucking game. And if they don't, you're fucked. And sometimes they do, and you're still fucked because of his rotations. I, I don't know what to say anymore. I, it's just very frustrating. I I, I would like... <coughs> I do want to say, like, Miami plays great, and it would have been hard for the Knicks to beat them regardless. But... I generally tend to think with a team that moves the ball the way Miami does, that gets up the floor the way Miami does, um, even though they're actually not very fast in pace, I think they're like the third yeah. slowest team in the league. Yeah, still, um, yeah. But so, but they move the ball around and play with pace. Um, I would think that the Knicks would have had a better chance playing guys that can move and were interested in moving, unlike Julius Randle, who decided once again today he was not interested in guarding the lowly PJ Tucker, who, by the way, I think doubled him up. I think he might have doubled him up in points. Um, just well, the pathetic. Well, I mean, PJ Tucker has had a renaissance this season. I will. <laughs> he's 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 having a, a Tucker renaissance. He's like hitting nine hundred percent from the corners and in floater range. I I don't I can't even keep track. I think like sixty percent. So, well, give the man some respect. I will not, um, okay, but fair. I know the drugs in Miami are good, um, <laughs> and I know Balco. I'm sure. I'm sure has changed its name and is still located somewhere down there. Um, but I don't want to. I, I, I genuinely mean this. Mm. I think Miami was going to win this game regardless of what mm. the Knicks did. But like, this is why this entire conversation is so fucking stupid, and people that continue to fucking have it are fucking morons. Um, if your only argument is constantly that there's no way to win these games with the talent at his disposal, guess what? That is not what fucking coaching is. 
Coaching is not about purely wins and fucking losses. It is about maximizing your fucking chances of winning games and mitigating your odds of fucking losing games. You don't do that by playing your worst fucking five consistently the entire fucking year to start every fucking game and every fucking half. That is not how you do it. That is actually the opposite of coaching. What that is, is taking your head, burying it in the sand so fucking deep that you have no clue what's going on or you're ignoring what's going on, or there's some internal politics for reasons unknown that you can't make obvious decisions. Whatever it may be, Tibbs is doing a terrible job this year. I don't think it's unfair to say that. Do I think he's the biggest problem with this team? No, I don't. I think Julius Randle playing like... I don't know. Uh, he reminds me a lot of like Othella Harrington, prime Othella Harrington, maybe right now. Um, that's what he reminds me of. That's what he's playing like. Uh, and if you don't, if you're too young to know who Othella Harrington is, go check out his <laughs> basketball reference page. It's not good. The Knicks did trade a first round pick for him though once upon a time because Knicks. Um, but like this is like they're they're both being the worst versions of themselves. And then on top of that you're inserting one Kemba Walker into this mix who is playing like, uh, you know, like have you guys, I'm sure you've seen space jam, right? You know, like, uh, you know, when Charles Barkley loses powers and he goes to play ball and he's playing against all these, the, the, these women and they're like getting his autograph and they play. And then they think he's an imposter. That is me. Every time I watch Kemba Walker, I'm like, you're not, you're not Kemba Walker. Go home. Go home. That's what they tell Charles Barkley. Go home. That's what I'm... Kemba Walker, retire. Go home. I don't care. Go the fuck away. Retire. Because you're not interested in being an NBA player apparently anymore. Um, or you can't be an NBA player anymore. I don't really give a shit what the reason is. Um, that was pathetic. It's been pathetic now for a few games. All three of them. Uh, I don't... I, I just... It's inane to keep repeating the same shit over and over again. But there is no way... I don't care if Quickly's out there shooting three for 20 from the field, doing his best John Starks Game 7 impression, and, you know, in the middle of that, takes a fucking shit at half court and rubs his face in it. Mm. I don't care if that's what he does, because that will actually be better than everything they're getting at the quote-unquote point guard position from Kemba Walker and Alec Brooks right now. Mm. Uh, and if you disagree, like, I don't know how anybody can watch. I don't care what he shoots. He's consistently giving you more than them. He's consistently giving you more. Like, it is unreal to watch the difference in how the team plays when him and Grimes come on versus how the team plays when Kemba and Fournier are on with the starters. And that's not to single out just Kemba and Fournier, by the way. Because Randall, for sure, takes... I mean, he's got the biggest responsibility there. But you also don't do anything to help him by playing two stagnant, slow players who also exacerbate his defensive issues, which existed last year, by the way but were mitigated by the fact that Reggie Bullock was a more active defender and Alfred Payne was a more active defender, even if he still sucked at defense. Um, I'm sorry. I just had to get all that out there, but Prez, feel free to to take this wherever you want to go. No, I mean, you you covered it. At this point, that, that rant is like uh, the 2021-22 greatest hits, uh, number one chart topper at this point. It's, it's just frustrating to see Tibbs coach the team he wants and not the team he uh, has. Did, are you are you using air quotes when you say coach? I am using air quotes, very large air quotes. <laughs> it's just and, and and it's stupid because like it's even more stupid lately because the 
the offense has changed a little bit. And again, the offense still is ass on the whole, but like RJ Barrett is taking more shots and driving more to the hole. That's a larger percentage of the offense. So the whole idea behind Kemba and Fournier flanking Julius and RJ was to have dribble pass shoot guys and playmaking all around and have a very like egalitarian offense where different guys could move and pass out of the pick and roll and shoot and all that shit. But that's that, that train has left the station a long time ago. Like Julius is not shooting. Well, he's a, he's an interior player for all purposes this year. Unfortunately, he's still a passer though. RJ's also, you know, RJ can shoot much better than Julius this year, but RJ is also doing most of his damage in the interior. And those guys need the ball to do that. So what's the value of dudes like even Kemba on his best fucking day, which still isn't great because, like you said, he doesn't point guard anymore. He just shoots and kind of is short and on defense and just stands there. Like, it, why, why not have... Dudes like IQ and Q don't need the ball as much, but can run a pick and roll in a pinch, right? Can make smart passes, keep the ball moving, and are our two best floor spacers, right? Even if quickly shooting very poorly. If you look at where guys guard him, it's not like Randall where he's shooting poorly and the defenses ignore him. Like, they still pay attention to him because they know he's still a really good shooter. So, again, this isn't going to, like, vault us to the... These adjustments are not going to vault us to the six seed or the five seed or some shit like that, but they'll at least have give us some respectability. And it's really to the point where, like, I pulled this up while you were ranting. So, like, Fred Katz, Knicks beat reporter for The Athletic, just tweeted, the Knicks could be underdogs in 16 of their next 19 games. And I'm, won't gonna, I'm not going to go through it, the whole list of who they're playing, but it's mostly on the road and versus good teams, so... There's no real reason to assume that the losing will stop without any changes. Even if they are, these teams are good. So even with changes, the losing may continue. But assuming the front office doesn't do drastic things to save Tibbs from himself. And it's not even, I'm saying drastic in air quotes because trade Kemba Walker and trade Alec Burks to anyone other than a Knicks fan is not drastic. It's just some fucking moves nobody cares about but they have big implications for the Knicks. So like short of doing that and clearing up the log jam and forcing IQ to play point guard or tips to play IQ and forcing tips to play OB and all that shit, like they're going to rack up a lot of losses. And I, I treated this and I don't think Tibbs is going to finish out the year if that shit continues. Cause like there's no Derek Rose trade equivalent coming to save us this year. Like our record was similar at this point last year, but once Rose came over, they played like a possessed team and everybody got a whole lot better. So like, and a lot of that was shooting among other things. So I, this is going to be a rough, rough stretch. And, you know, to take a full circle back to my intro, we're going to rack up them losses and we're going to get some ping pong balls. I really don't see a way around it right now because I don't think Tibbs is going to budge because why would he, right? Like the guy was playing... His starters well into the third quarter. Like it's funny because uh, I'm curious what you thought of the of the third of the third quarter one uh, because <laughs> like the Knicks starters were were down like twenty and 
Spo was like, all right, it's Max Struess time and Gabe Vincent time. And Tibbs was like, no, I'm still going to stick with these fuckers. And they, and they still got cooked. Um, I was really impressed with the, with the Heat depth pieces, by the way. Um, I mean, it was the perfect type of game for them to get some good quality reps against a team like the Knicks. Like, you want Gabe Vincent's confidence up? Here you go. Have some, uh, some Kemba Walker into your diet. Yeah, and I mean, not to derail this in, um, I mean, not to heat talk in, entirely, but um, people like Gabe Vincent this season have been put into position to do well in minutes like these because, you know, um, you know, Kyle Lowry's down now. He's been down. Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo missed a lot of time. COVID, people in and out. So Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, all these players have been forced into a lot of minutes. And it's just so happened that they've, proven to be guys that can handle rotation minutes. It's been kind of like a nice surprise uh, for the Heat this season because I think there were a lot of depth questions about them entering the season um, that have been answered through the team's play. And I think that's you know reflected in some sense in the record and the metrics and just how it looks on the court um, to the naked eye. But yeah, like all that aside, you know, like going back to the Knicks and I take it, Prez, that you're you're looking forward to, you know, maybe like, uh, you know, uh, Paolo Banquero being in Nick's Nick's blue uh, come next year. I still you know. don't know if we can be that bad of a team, but I mean, but but sometimes you know could be a Pelican situation. The balls right. could land favorably. Well, well the crazy. balls haven't landed favorably for us since Patrick Ewing. We haven't moved up once since Patrick Ewing. So, uh, I mean, we're due. We're due. Yeah. If there's that. Yeah, you guys are due. <laughs> You guys are due. And, no, and- we're not, no, we're not. We're not due because we won't move up. We won't move up because the NBA doesn't need us to move up because we'll still be here recording podcasts. There's like 9,000 Knicks podcasts. They'll sell out MSG. They'll do all the shit they need to do. No, he'll give the first pick to some scumbag piece of shit team like the uh, Pelicans. Like the Pelicans, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, or magically, the Lakers, whose fans never give a shit about them if they remotely have to struggle for a few years. Uh, magically, they'll get the second pick in, for fucking seven years in a row uh, because, you know, they, if they don't get it it'll convey and then they'll miss out on a first round pick and magically they'll move up the year that uh anthony davis is going to get traded no the knicks will never move up it's never going to happen there's not even a point in fantasizing about it the the best thing that can happen is they'll have the best odds to move down two spots that's what's ha- that's what's happened the last two times they've tanked properly they've moved down two spots so the best the knicks can ever do is finish with the third or, pick. or any first pick i mean and we're not entertaining first pick or um R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish will do their job and recruit Zion Williamson to New York. That's the alternative. Yeah, that, that would be great uh, if, one, Zion could be in shape, and two, if, um, you know, if I really believe that... I don't believe that will happen just because that's so insane of a thing that could happen. Um, the, although, yeah, I yeah. mean, it's, it, it's definitely possible considering Zion apparently, um, you know, he, he's looking like pretty pretty hefty uh but we're not gonna talk about Zion. i don't want to sure, talk about Zion. Sure. i don't want to talk about fantasy stuff because sure. uh no, no 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 it's fine we talk about a lot of stupid things on this but, podcast um but i did want to go wanna... back to sorry yeah, yeah, go sorry no, no, go for it i didn't mean to cut you off because i didn't answer the original question press pose which is like how did the starters look to me basically the nick starters and bad just bad i don't know why kemba uh fournier and and Randall specifically shared the floor as much as they did. 
when when you watch like like RJ Barrett in in the first quarter, um, I tweeted about this. Like it seemed like when the Heat made that first run, he was not involved in the offense at all. Like he they just they just weren't getting him the ball. So um, this this he is was this just is what disengaged. happens. And the second quarter, he was going downhill. He was hitting jumpers. You know, he was drawing fouls. And it's like, okay, this is RJ. This is what RJ Barrett can do. Well, like, put did you did it. you did you notice the difference in the lineups? Because that yes. is the main thing. Like you, when he plays with Kemba, this is very specific. So I want to be be very. I this is not to absolve Julius Randle of blame for the fifty thousand things that you can complain about him. Well, year. fifty million or. Yes, fifty million, however many, uh, infinite. Let's just say. Um, but when he plays with Randall and Kemba, he automatically goes to the corner. That is what happens in the offense. Him and Fournier end up in the corners when they play with Randall and Kemba. That is it. Yeah. And again, yeah. this is not to this is not to absolve Fournier either, uh, who has has not been good at various points this year. But but. And I'll pull up the, the numbers a little, in a little bit here. Uh, but magically, when you take Kemba out of the mix, even if it is Burks, who has been a very bad point guard, which I don't blame on him. I blame that on Tibbs, for some reason, using him as a point guard. Um, RJ gets to get on the ball more because right. naturally, that's just what happens. Uh, and Fournier gets to get on the ball more too, magically. Um, like, this is not... It's This is just very obvious. And then really the difference is, especially in that that unit you were talking about in the second quarter, mm-hmm. uh, the main difference is that RJ gets to play with these young guys who want to get out and run more and do this awesome thing called hit ahead passes. <laughs> so like when RJ is running down the wing and has his arm raised, like he's fucking Randy Moss, um, they actually throw him the ball. It's pretty cool. Uh, instead of Julius Randall slowly, very methodically, you know, bringing the ball up, to do absolutely fucking nothing. Um, It's, it's very, very frustrating. I I don't know what else to say other than that. And I I think what also happens is it effectively punished. Like he got punished today because he played with the starters. He didn't get to come Mm -hmm. back in the game um, and play with those young guys at all in the fourth quarter. And like, I, I don't know. I, I just like I don't understand that. And what I really didn't understand is 44 to 34. You forced Miami to take a timeout. This is a good thing. Right. This is like wow, this lineup is doing the thing that is good. Uh they're doing many of the th- good things. And instead of like keeping that lineup out there until proven that it does not work or that Miami's adjusted or that they can't compete with, you know, the Miami starters, um you just immediately tossed that aside and went back to you know, you went back to a lineup that was four of your five starters, effectively, plus Grimes instead of Fournier. Yeah, yeah. And that is just like, so immediately, what happened? RJ didn't get on the ball anymore. And that was that. Like, that was, there's such a palpable difference. And I actually, I just feel really bad for him because, like, what ends up happening is when he plays with that starting group, they're so slow and nobody shifts the defense and it's all so fucking methodical. Right. Like, he has to be this especially today in the third quarter where Kemba wasn't interested in doing anything. Randall couldn't do anything. Uh, so RJ has to like try and be the primary driving force, which is okay. But what you want to happen in that scenario is at least some side to side action so that when he gets the opportunity to start going downhill, it's not just like bam, sitting there waiting for him right. and Butler 
being there waiting for him. And it's like, okay, dude, figure it out. Like, that's such a shitty position to put him into. Um, and, like, you know what? Like, I, I think RJ is going to become an all-star, but he's not there yet. And, like... Like uh, Anthony Edwards, you can maybe do that with him because he's just a more natural, gifted athlete. So he can just do things against a set defense that RJ Barrett can't do. Um, like RJ is not that guy, and that's fine. I'm not. That's not even like a knock on RJ. Uh, it's just like the reality of what he is. Like asking him to just break down a set defense with a bunch of fucking like you know senior citizens standing out there doing absolutely nothing doesn't really make sense. And I'll tell you what, it also doesn't help Mitchell Robinson at all. Who I didn't really particularly think had like a good game today, but like, I mean, he didn't even have a chance to have a good game, really. Like, you know, they were talking about. I was watching on MSG because I can't watch national TV broadcasts. Um, but on MSG, they were talking about like how Miami did such a good job of keeping him off the offensive glass, and they were getting him. They were basically boxing him out two for one a lot of times, hmm. uh, and like that was true. But a lot of that was true because the defense wasn't didn't need to shift. Like the right. the most they would have to do is RJ might get into the paint or someone might get into the paint and spray it out to a shooter. But like you watch the speed, like even after you kick out to a shooter and that guy, uh, a defender has to recover to them. Watch the difference between the bench when that happens and the starters when that happens. Right. You've got Fournier and Kemba catch pump fake, Randall catch pump fake, then nothing happens. So then it's basically a reset of the entire possession. Now they got to go create something off the bounce. It's terrible. Whereas you watch that bench unit and they press those advantages. They build on them. And um, it's not always perfect. I think IQ has a terrible, I don't know. He has this developed this weird thing where he pump fakes and like doesn't want to shoot. Yeah. Weird shot collection from him. I mean, like I like that he hoists, he keeps the ball moving. He plays with pace, but, but, but sometimes like pull up above the break threes from 30 feet, like not the best shot all the time. Yeah, I, I don't even mind that shot. I just want him to shoot the ones that come on rotation. Like, sure. you get the ball on rotation, shoot that. I don't care. I don't care what you're shooting. I don't care about your percentage. Just shoot the ball. He's getting to the point where uh, where guys, they know how to close him out because they know what will cause him to pump fake. And they know he doesn't have the acceleration to really get by without, like, a crossover or a hezzy first. He can't just pump and blow by. So we saw the I mean, the heat. The Heat starters in particular are uh, there's there's good size. There's a lot of guys like Jimmy Butler and even guys like Duncan Robinson. Like they're slow, but they're tall. So like yeah. he's not blown by those guys. And they're at the point where like you you close out on his shooting side on his right side, and you close out hard because he's in his own head a little bit. But like it, it even with that, like you were saying, even with those shots, like it's just it, it, I'll I'll take that. I've been as critical as anybody on Twitter, at least. Actually, that's not true. There's a lot of fucking wild people on Twitter. Let me not say that. I've <laughs> on the Strickland in the Strickland, at least. Uh, I've you know I've straight up said like IQ has had shitty shot selection this year. But like, who gives a shit? Like, bro, just he had a couple of mid range shots. I like that. This I like that today. Like, that's that's the that's the answer. He even had. Um, he had the the one real true actual layup where he almost died, and that was cool. Don't see those often. He even had one play. Um, it ended up being a turnover because Bam is really great and has good hands. But he tried like a push dribble to get really close to the rim, um, 
through some defenders and it was oh, a turnover. Oh, that's right. He got stripped, right. Yeah. yeah, but I really like that play because I'm like, this is what happens when this is the other thing that like IQ last year because the Knicks bench unit was so good and like there was great equilibrium between the starters and the bench and everything was fucking happy vibes and rainbows and all that shit. Like he he hasn't had those kind of extended stretches to get comfortable with his own game this year. Like the minutes are often between like the same, like he's going to get between, you know, 12 and 25 minutes in any given game, but it's not really the minutes. It's more how they're allocated. And by him not getting to play with the starters and then, you know, him, uh, he does fine on the bench, but like, he's not really playing with any other creators because Rose isn't there. So he, he hasn't really gotten in a rhythm and, the few times he's had extended garbage time, which you don't see because Tibbs does shit like he does today, where he'll play the starters 35 minutes in a blowout. Um, he IQ gets noticeably more comfortable. And the one time Kemba and Burks and Rose were all out and IQ had to start and play point guard, he was much more comfortable and patient with like he was those 30 footers are always like, Oh, I have to do something. Like that's the energy behind them. And it's like, dude, whenever he relaxes. He's much his shot selection gets much better, so that's one of the things that just gets frustrating about the way Tibbs allocates the minutes. Because if he was playing with the starters, guess what? He wouldn't need the ball that much, and he could just do IQ shit, and it'd be fucking awesome. But he doesn't get to do that. I'm pretty sure his his minute. I haven't looked it up, so I don't know how many minutes he's played with a shooting guard, RJ, Julius, and Mitch. But I would guess it's under fifty on the season. Well, I mean, here's here's something. Uh, he's played 191 minutes this season without Derrick Rose, Kemba Walker, or Alec Burks on the floor. Um, in those 191 minutes, the Knicks are a drumroll, please, plus nine and a half. Uh, they are a 109.5 offensive rating, 100.5 defensive rating. If you want to include Burks, since Burks actually is not a point guard, no matter what Tom Thibodeau thinks, um, if you include Burks, uh, the Knicks are 112.6 offensive rating in 555 minutes and 102.1 defensive rating. That is a good rating, I think. Uh, I think that actually is pretty solid. I'm not sure. I'll have to double check that. But I'm usually, I, I think, I believe if you're a plus 10.5 net rating, uh, that, that usually means that something good is happening when you're on the court. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean a cellar. the mini fridge. Yeah, it's a mini yeah, it's fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New 
new episodes of Fly on the Wall and Drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wall and wherever you get your podcasts.